Hi, I'm Saskia, and you're listening to One Grids Podcast. So I've done a lot of reading on financial health and finances throughout lockdown. And I've noticed a trend in that some people are struggling with their finances as a result of retrenchment and job loss. And other people are managing to put their money to better use, so saving more. So I thought it would be appropriate to get a perspective from a finance manager. So I chatted to Quibus, our one grid finance manager. And Quibus's role within the company is essentially to manage the financial health as well as look for potential investments and strategies for the business. But Quibus also has a passion for personal finances. So he shared a bit on saving and how you can budget. He also shares some apps and the good old Excel tricks that you can use to save and to plan your budget every month. And what's really important or the the biggest outcome of this conversation was that, you know, there's always a plan and there's always an opportunity to plan. So I really hope that you enjoy this chat and that you learn some tips from what our finance manager has to say. I would say it's it's a management of the finances, yeah. Yeah, literally as literally, literally as, as it's yeah. <laughs> um, and why is finance exciting for you? Like, what made you decide on this career path? So I'm quite a detail-oriented person. Well, I've always been. Um, so finances, due to the fact that it's you can get lost in the data and the detail, I really enjoy digging into it and getting behind the figures. So I would say that's definitely a big interest for me. And that's one of the reasons why I pursued a career in finance. Um, my brother is also a CA and he's four years older than I am. So he used to tell me about what he's studying and you know, that, that gave me quite an interest in, into finance. And then I decided to, to pursue that career. I actually wanted to become a, an engineer at first and I also wanted to become a doctor. But then in the end, <laughs> don't we all? <laughs> yeah. Then in the end, it was finance. So. Okay. So your brother was sort of a role model for you then. Yes. Yeah. As yeah, he's always been one okay. of those. But he's actually working overseas now, so we're in totally different industries. Okay. So and what is what is he doing? And in... he's in banking. Okay. So financial services. Um, yeah, he's been working there for I think about five years, and it's actually interesting to speak to him and yeah his experience, get yeah. some insights from him. Have you noticed that there's misconceptions um, as to what a finance manager is and does, as well as a CA? Yes, I would say, so, so a CA is like a broad term for someone who can go into financial management, but a, a chartered accountant is someone who has a career, a degree in finance and a post-grad, and then he went through the, the two exams that you have to write during your article years. And then you qualify as a chartered accountant, but then it's so broad, anything in terms of finance you can think of. So you get some people who actually go into, um, I actually know of a guy who's in recruiting now. So he's a chartered accountant, but he went into recruiting and now he's recruiting CAs. So now he has a very good perspective of what, what the role is and what's expected of these people. 
Um, and then you get guys who they go into financial analysis. Um, so CFA um, to go into banking, corporate finance, mergers and acquisitions. Um, whereas financial management is more looking at one specific company and being responsible for those that company's um, finances. Yeah. And with um, OneGrid, so we also spoke about this in a previous chat, but what part do you think you play in achieving the mission at OneGrid, which is moving businesses online? I think the, the fact that our function is a support function within the business, so we don't deal directly with clients and customers. Um, I have had a few customers who phone me directly, um, <laughs> but we don't... As, as a standard, we don't deal with customers directly. So being a support function, we have to make sure, for instance, if we want to purchase servers that we use to host our data on, or the customer's data, we need to do a profitability analysis to make sure that if we buy X amount of servers, um, it is actually going to be profitable. And how does the prices look? Do, do we have to import the servers or are we going to buy it locally? Um, so it's, it's like a price comparison that you do. And based on that, you can make a decision to see whether we have to purchase it or are we going to delay it or are we going to wait for Forex to maybe change. And then once it's been purchased, then it goes through the whole, um, almost like a production flow up to the end where the customer purchases a hosting package and he's on a better server, which means he gets more better quality service from web or on a web hosting package. So in such a way, it's like an indirect way finance plays a role in a better customer experience. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, that's, that's one example of, of where we play a role. And in terms of investment opportunities and strategies, do you think that it ties in closely? So the finance management aspect of it ties in closely to obviously what you've mentioned of how you handle service? Yes, yeah, definitely. I think for, for us, the way our team works is we have a financial analyst as well. He's also a CA. And then we have Morten who's our financial director, and he's also a CA. So the three of us would do calculations and do separate tasks um, as one big project, and then we'll collaborate all of this data and then make a decision based on that. We'll present it to the board, and they will make a decision based on that. Can you so imagine, it's, I yeah, can imagine that that's also quite um, challenging. I think one of the big challenges is to get data that is actually trustworthy, Yes. So, especially when you want to think in broader terms, like industry specific. So, some of the data is confidential, so you can't get like to the T type of data that you want. So, yes. there's certain assumptions that you have to make around the data, and there's big decisions being made based off of that. But it's at least in such a way that you can be pointed into a direction yes. that will help you to make the decision. And you think with the with the big decisions um, that you have to make, uh, is that one of the reasons why finance is important to you? Maybe you can just touch on you know within the business one grid, and then also in your personal capacity as to why it is so important to you. Yes, yeah, yeah. The decision making is definitely it. It's it's awesome to to be able to look at the data and compile it in such a way or work it in such a way. Um, having the skills that you acquired and then be able to present data in a very concise, clear way to the board and then they can make a decision based on that and you know that you contributed to that yes. and 
So it's like small steps. It's small decisions on a day-to-day -day basis. And then if you look back over two years, then you can see uh, this is actually how far we've come. Yeah. So that's in a business capacity. I think in my personal capacity, um, I started enjoying personal finance also actually from a, from a young age. Um, I had quite a keen interest in investments as well. And my, my dad is quite a frugal guy, so he doesn't <laughs> spend a lot. Um, and that taught me how to manage finances. Yeah. And then, yeah, when I, when I got married, then it's obviously, you can have this whole structure set up in terms of your personal finances <laughs> with your wife and then structure your things in such a way that you can save the most amount of money, cut costs where you can. It's almost like a, running a business, but in a personal capacity. Yeah. And would you say that there was a point where you knew, like you, you mentioned that from when you were younger, but would you say there was a point where you knew? Because um, I know you also said you had interest yes. in other things. Yes. Like what triggered that for you? I think I, once, you know, I think it was my second year of, of studies. At that stage, I was still um, unsure about my decision that I made to go into finance. But I remember this one time we had a, um, we had one of the classes, it was in financial management actually, like um, capital budgeting. And so that's basically the example I gave about servers. Mm -hmm. So you have two decisions, for instance, that you have to make, which decision are you going to make based on the facts that you have. Okay. And um, he used an example where he went to the, to the, I think it was the motor dealership, and he took his calculator with, his scientific calculator, and he sat down and tried to like, negotiate a deal. And then when he said, when he did the calculations on the board, and he showed us what the total amount would be if he had to purchase that specific vehicle over five years, then you could see it was like one and a half times what the actual value of the car was. Oh, wow. And then I realized that you know, finance or like the compound effect of interest and um, you know, certain aspects of finance is actually so interesting and it is, you can see it everywhere. And do you think you, you continue learning every single day? Yes, definitely. There's never a day that goes by no. where you're not challenged by something. <laughs> yes, I agree. That's definitely the case. Um, and oh, it's every cool. day something new that you learn. Like you come out of postgrad with a, like an honours degree, and, but then you come into the workplace and it feels as if you know nothing. Yeah. And then it's like on-the-job on training and auditing also like, teaches you a lot. Um, and then when you come into, then you think, okay, you have it under control in terms of auditing. And then you come into like a workplace like this, like yes. a normal company and you're on the other side of the books, then yeah, it's like a whole new learning process all from the start. Yeah, a new ball game. <laughs> yes, yeah, total new ball game. And it's, you know, there's, there's new decisions to be made every day because it's a, it's a growing and scalable type of company. So, you know, there's always new, new opportunities for growth. Mm. And just on the challenges um, that I mentioned, so you obviously said that you do have new challenges every day. Uh, what do you find most challenging about your role? I think for me, it's, I mentioned I'm, I'm quite focused on detail and I enjoy detail, but I think my, you can sometimes get into a point where you have like analysis paralysis, yes. where you overanalyze <laughs> some data and then you make assumptions, but then you think, is this a correct assumption? And you try and get data to, to make another assumption or to change your assumption slightly. Yes. And then eventually you get lost in the data. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and I think that's, that's sometimes a challenge for me as well. But I've learned a lot from, from Ornay, who's the financial director, because he's very good at taking a step back, looking at the overall picture, and then applying that 80-20 rule, the Pareto principle, yes. which actually says like 80% of the value lies in 20% of the data. So you can make a big decision, which will be 80% correct, if you have like 20%, if, if 20% is covered. Um, so it's prioritizing. Yeah, those. and I think we often forget to step back and look at the bigger picture. Yes, yeah. And especially when you work in, in finance, I think that, that can be a, a thing. And same in auditing, I think that's where it started, is that sometimes you can, <laughs> you can try and find five rand, which in the greater scheme of things doesn't even matter. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's that accuracy, accuracy and detail, which can sometimes paralyze you. Do you have a um, crash course on it, or <laughs> <laughs> I think in, you just take it as it comes? Yeah, I think in my case, it's it's like to deliberately remind yourself to take a step back, mm. and I think that's in a personal capacity. That's also same. Um, if you're wondering about stuff or overthinking stuff, just to take a step back, yeah. and yeah, almost to get another another yeah overview or another change of scenery almost and then make a decision based on that. Yeah. And um, just in your personal capacity as well, uh, your challenge, your biggest challenge, I know that many people would say their biggest challenge is saving. Um, and in our previous chat that we had, also mentioned that a lot of people pay their expenses and then saving is the last thing that they do. Yes. Whereas it actually, the mindset should shift to saving first and yeah. then everything else comes. So um, what do you think in your personal capacity, or yeah. maybe other people as well? Um, what do you think the most challenging thing is? One thing that I set up, because I know, I think human nature is of such that you would rather spoil yourself for the hard work that you did for the, for the month and then go and spoil yourself or buy something that you really want. But if you have a system set up which is more automated, then it's going to be much easier to save. Yes. So let's say, for instance, you get paid on the 25th and then you organize an automatic transfer from your current account to a savings account that you set up and then you transfer, let's say, 10% of your net salary to mm -hmm. that specific account. So then it's an automated thing. It happens every month. You know there's going to be money in your account because you were paid two days before and then it's like an automatic saving. You don't have to think about it. It just happens. And yeah. um, I think that's, that's overcoming that challenge would be, because it's, it's the same as if you, you want to purchase something this month and then you see it's a good deal and you just purchase it. Yeah, and then the rest of the month you have to improvise and make sure that you get, get stuck. Um, you play even with your money at the mm -hmm. end of the month. Otherwise there's going to be too much money, at the, too much month at the end of your money. Uh, yeah, that type of thing. So. Yeah, so I think it's, and it's to, to not overthink a structure. Yes. Because I think it can also be um, very easy to, to follow some principles that you see people maybe promote on the web yeah. or on the internet. And some people have quite intense structures that you Is can it, set up. And a lot of people making money off of budgeting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And I think to have a budgeting app yes. makes it very easy. Yeah. So you just have logins, you create your account, have your logins, and then allocate those those um, 
transactions on your account. Yes. And then every month it's very easy to go back and see where did I spend and where should I not spend again. Yes. And I think a small thing that I personally also do is that I know, for instance, I got my car serviced last month. Mm -hmm. So I knew it's going to happen in July, around about July. So then every month I would save an extra 200 rand a month because I know in a year's time I'm going to have a service for two and a half thousand rand. Yes. So it's small things like that, just to, but not to so overthink it. I did something very similar when I got my car. Little did I know I got to my service and my service was included in um, my service plan. Oh, that's <laughs> I didn't awesome. know that I had a service plan. <laughs> it sucks so, cash in the account. Yeah, so I had a little bit of money, but I didn't blow it. So um, just with budgeting, I know you mentioned on the budget app as well. Um, what are your thoughts on old school Excel? So that's how I budget. I created an Excel sheet for myself. I've set aside income, expenses, and obviously the savings portion. Yes. Um, and I've also set up something similar um, as what you've mentioned. Yeah. There's the percentage structure is slightly different. Um, but do you? what are your thoughts on old school Excel? I think it, if, it, if it works for you, then it's a good thing. Some people would say to open up an Excel at the end of the month is too much effort. Yeah. Um, I don't think it should be. I also yeah. enjoy my Excel sheets. <laughs> So I also use Excel. I usually take the, the info out of the, out of the budgeting app, get the transactions into Excel and then okay. work it in Excel. But I think it's, Excel is a very good tool to use to go and see where did you spend, how did you spend and where can you actually better your finance or streamline your finances. Yes. And do you record all your transactions? Do you keep your slips in that? to enter it in or do you just use your bank statement at the end of the month and work off of that? Yes, yeah. So I so technically use my bank statement. I use that budgeting app okay. and all my accounts are linked to that. What is the name of the budgeting app that you It's 227. 227. Yes, I think it's Old Mutual is backed or they backed the, the, this whole venture. Okay. Um, but it's an amazing tool because okay. it links to your to your all your accounts. You can link all your accounts. So from your reward accounts to your current and check and savings oh, wow. to your mortgage if you have one to your yeah i think like um vida your vida points yes. there's so many accounts that you can link all your investment accounts and is it a charge do you have to pay for this no it's actually or? free oh wow okay that's what makes it so amazing that's amazing <laughs> so it's really it's in the beginning it's it's quite intense to set it up because you have to allocate each and every transaction then you can say for instance if you look at your bank statement and there was a debit order for Wi-Fi, then you must go and allocate that Wi-Fi to, let's yes. say, internet connection. And then next month, the app is set up in such a way that it will automatically allocate that to internet connection. Okay. So it's just to set it, set it up for the first time and then after that, it's automatic. Yeah, and I think also, even though it might take a little bit of time, that money that you're saving is going to be worth that time. Yes, definitely. That you're yeah. spending. And I think it's also worth mentioning to to some people who, who don't know what the percentages should be, I think it's a, just to start saving is the most important thing. Yes. So it doesn't necessarily matter how much you save, just to get into the habit of saving. And I think the next step would be to try and up your savings to about 15% of your salary. Okay. Um, that's the, they say 15 to 20% is the, the average um, for a steady retirement um, because Retirement is, unfortunately, I think in our country as well, there's a lot of people who get to retirement and then they've got specific loans that they should still settle and yes. 
Um, yeah, so so it's just to set you up, set yourself up for you know, to get get a bit more financially free or independent. Yes. And it doesn't necessarily mean you have to have millions in the bank. It's just so that when you come to retirement, you don't have to rely on your kids, for instance, yeah. to take care of you. And is is that fifteen percent? That's a separate savings to a retirement annuity in RA. So it can actually form part of it. Okay. So so fifteen to twenty percent would be a, a good percentage for retirement type of um, savings. And that can include tax-free savings accounts, that can include RAs, like retirement annuity, or provident fund, um, maybe pension fund, if, you're, if your company that you work for um, gives that benefit to you. And yeah, it's, it's still, for instance, if, if you save 5% of your salary, to retirement annuity and your company matches you to 5%, mm -hmm. then it, it equals to 10%, but you should see it only as your 5%. Yes. So you should try and up that to be 15% of your own money. Yes. 5% from the company is like a big extra benefit. Yes. So I think that's a, that's a good principle to, to um, try and apply from, from as, as young as you can, but it's never too, never too late to start saving. Yeah. Never too late. Yes. I know I only started, um, I, we also chatted about this, um, I only started last year. Um, previously I was, or I did have an RA set up. Um, so I still have that in the background, but obviously try and save on my own yes. um, too. But I always felt like I started too late. So it's nice to hear yeah. the reassurance from you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's definitely never too late. It's, it's just important to to save, and it's it's also important to to have a goal in mind. Yes. Um. To maybe maybe go on a there's quite nice calculators that you get on the internet where you can go and see the amount that you actually want to have at retirement. If you think of it like you have to have X amount at retirement because you have to live off of it for the next let's say twenty years. Yes. And um, if if you are you know, in such a case where you will will live to 85, for instance. Mm. So if you retire at 65, you have to live to 85, so it's 20 years that, you, that that retirement annuity has to cover your living expenses. So you should actually go and calculate what your living expense is going to be. And it's obviously going to be a bit less when you retire because you're not going to have the same expenses that you have at age 20 mm. or 30. So just to go and do a bit of a calculation on what do you think your, your expenses will be, and then you try and, and take into account the time value of money for 20 years and then get a bulk amount that you have to save towards. And then you can work it back and say, if I want to have 3 million by 65, how much should I save per month now? If you say you're going to get a, let's say, an average saving in accounts would be, let's say, depends on which industries you're invested with, but let's say 8%. 8 to 10%, depends on what the economy does, but that will be your return. Then you have to take into account inflation. Inflation will also make you know, have the effect of 10 Rand today won't be 10 Rand in 20 years time. So you have to take that into account as well. And then you have your yeah. calculation. Yeah, you know and, you and with the so just with that um, calculation that you've explained now and taking into account economic conditions, um, we are currently in a pandemic, and we've gone into lockdown um, in March. So 
I've heard and read quite a bit about um, people's experiences in lockdown in terms of finances. So in the one corner we have uh, people that you know have been retrenched and that are really struggling financially, but then in the other corner we have people that have seen it as an opportunity to save a lot more. Yes. So how would you tailor, or maybe you can say from your perspective um, personally, how you've uh, coped with lockdown and how you tailored your structure that you have? Yes. So I... I live in Paul, me and my wife live in Paul, so I drive quite a, quite a, you know, I have quite a lot of mileage that it's I put like in my car. 40, 80k a day. It's like 56 per day, or 56 one direction, 56 back. Oh my word. So it amounts to about 3,000 rand fuel wow. cost. So when lockdown started, it's one of those things where I knew I had to plan for this, otherwise that 3,000 rand is just going to disappear yes. towards the rest of my expenses. <laughs> So then I set up an automated um, transfer from my current account to actually to our mortgage account because we have a, a home loan. And then I made the assumption that it's going to be 3,000 Rand. So I put 3,000 Rand towards that. And then another small thing was um, Audible. I have an Audible subscription. Mm -hmm. And that's about $15, I think, per month. Okay. And I have one and my wife has one. But now, during the time that I didn't drive, I didn't have time or didn't make time to listen to Audible. Mm -hmm. So I paused that as well and I put that money into the mortgage wow. as well. So it's small it's things. It's very responsible. Yeah, it's like <laughs> one of those things where you know the money is just going to disappear with the rest of the expenses if you don't think about it. Yeah. 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 So it's, and it's actually so easy. It took me like two minutes to, to set it up. But it's those small things that you don't notice. Yes. Um, or, you know, those um, payments that come off, recurring payment that comes off that you don't necessarily notice because the amount's not that high. I mean, obviously, yes. with the fuel cost that you have, that's significant. Yes. But with the Audible, for example, it's not yeah. really that large, but it adds up over time. Yes, yeah. If you think of it, like four months, it's 2,800 Rand that I saved due to one automation that I set up and I didn't miss that money. So... Yeah, that's. I think it's important to to just think about some of your expenses, mm. and a lot of people think, okay, now I can't buy a nice Seattle coffee that I like, or that's me. Like a sm <laughs> like small type of expenses that you that you incur, which is actually a treat. I think people should do that because otherwise, if you're gonna cut like everything, then it's not it's really gonna be unpleasant mm. um, life in terms of. Small things because it's. Yeah. I also enjoy small things. It's. I think that's one of the beauties of life. Is, yeah. is the small things and I enjoying mean, the human. small stuff. Yes. We do. So, so if you want to buy your Seattle coffee, I don't think you have to cut on that. But I think it's when it comes to larger expenses, like you said, like the fuel. And um, some people drive very expensive cars, and then they try and save on the small stuff like a Seattle mm. coffee. But I don't think that's the approach that you should follow. I think you should look at your larger type of recurring expenses. For instance, your, in, uh, your um, insurance as well. Mm. Maybe shop around for the first time, get a good quote, and make sure you're covered for everything that you should be covered for. And then you can save, let's say, 300 Rand per month off of your current insurance. Once you've done that, then every six months you just ask them to review your insurance. Yes. Because your if you have a vehicle, then obviously your vehicle's value will drop. So then you should be insured on a lower retail value. 
So it's small things like that which makes a difference in the end. Yeah, I can definitely say I agree um, and also notice a change in that because I, so I was, I'm not going to mention any insurance company names, but um, I was with an insurance company, insurance company A, no. and um, my premium because of my age and how long I've had my license and that, I was paying 1,000 rand a month for my insurance. Okay. And in from Feb to March, which was also strange because obviously um, lockdown happened. So most places were reducing, most companies were reducing their fees. Yes. So um, they increased my premium by 20%. Wow, so yeah, so I was paying one, two, um, and I did some shopping around and I'm saving 400 right now with insurance B and it's comprehensive cover as well. Yeah. So that makes such a difference. You yeah, know? that's a huge saving. And you didn't really, it was a bit of admin, I guess, to phone the company and make sure you, yeah. you get covered. But it's a, it's a little bit of an admin, but then it's a recurring saving that you're gonna have. Yes, and for me, I mean, it does make it does make a, quite a difference. I mean, it's groceries. You know, you can yes. be spending that money on groceries, or exactly. like you said, you can set up a automatic transfer that takes that money yes. out into an account. Yes. And then, what advice would you give to somebody that is interested in um, saving or maybe doesn't save currently, and you know, should maybe be doing that? Yes. I think it's to the point where you have to just start somewhere. Mm-hmm. That's that's a good point to start. Um, but there's also there's some quality articles and um, people to follow in terms of personal finance, where they give you step by step guidance on how do you how should you approach your finances. But there's a few guys I can actually recommend. Um, but the one would be where there's six steps. They call it six baby steps that you should follow for mm-hmm. your financial freedom. But it's like I mentioned, it's not financial freedom to make millions, it's not that. It's just so that you, you don't have to live from month to month in terms of your, your salary. So that you only get out, like by payday, your balance is zero. It's not to be in that position. So it's just to set up your finances in such a way that you can actually start saving, start saving for your school's co- your, your kids' college or university fees, and because that's also a lot. Stuff that you need to think of. The other day we actually had a chat about um, about kids, and then if you think of it like the the, the fact that university fees are it's big amounts, yeah. and to be to be going to university as a kid of eighteen years old, and you go in with with debt like student debt, mm-hmm. um, it's not ideal. The fact that you can study it would be great. Um, but to go in with student debt already puts you back a step mm-hmm. um, behind the race. I had student debt. I'm so yeah. grateful that I could study. That was amazing. Um, and I'm so thankful for it. So my debt, I just decided to, I have to tackle that head on. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's going to be something that I'm going to carry for a long while. Yeah. So then we were quite aggressive in tackling that debt and that was settled last year. So it's also one of those things where just planning. Yes. And planning is a big thing. So I also um, was in that situation with student fees. So for my second and third year, I started working to pay off the fees. But I completely understand it's very overwhelming and it's very stressful. Yes. But if yeah. you have a plan in mind, you know, yes. even though I wasn't relying on getting a bursary, I wasn't relying on somebody sponsoring me, yes. I always had a plan in mind. Yes. And I think it's also like to have student debt. There's nothing wrong with it. No. I think I think it's it's actually great to to be able to go to to university, 
um, and go through the whole experience and get a degree. I would, I would rather have student debt than have no debt and not being able to go mm. to university. So it's just to, to plan ahead and like you working while you were actually studying. That's, that's great because then mm. you know you're actually tackling this thing. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, it was challenging, but um, I think the, like you mentioned as well about education, um, I believe education is one of the most powerful tools and it's something that nobody can take away from you. Yes. So, you know, even if getting into debt and, you know, putting yourself in that position does make you a bit uncomfortable, if you have a plan in place, you can get yes. that resolved. Yeah. And I suppose that also leads back to your challenges. You know, you always have a plan that's going to help you out to assist you in those challenges. Yeah. Yes. And I think it's also worth mentioning to, that a lot of people feel as if they are alone in this whole mm. financial battle. And it is a very personal thing. People don't really speak about their finances. Yeah. But I think it's important for people to actually get into the habit of, of having a mentor, a mentor, mm. um, maybe having friends they rely on and chatting to them about the situation that they find themselves in because you go to trustworthy people and then chatting about your, your, your challenges that you're currently facing and then based off of that you can make decisions, informed decisions. Yeah, I think it also gets better as soon as you start talking about it. Yes, yeah. Definitely. And um, just based on your um, experience as a finance manager and someone with a um, passion for personal finance, what additional advice would you give to people that, like I mentioned, obviously um, were saving, but somebody that just started their first job and then on the other end, somebody that has just been retrenched? Yes. I think I can, I can definitely speak to someone who just started a, a job in finance, like a, a trainee accountant in mm -hmm. an auditing firm. Um, I actually had this, this discussion with my own cousin. He started up in Joburg. He also did his, his CA. He's now working towards that, busy with his articles. And my biggest tip for him was to, to get yourself acquainted with um, Excel, Microsoft Excel, because mm -hmm. that is a amazing, it's an amazing tool that you use and you use it throughout your life and it's like a lot of stuff that I do for our personal finances is done in Excel, a lot of the stuff that I do for the business is in Excel, I spent, I would say, 80% of my time in Excel almost, <laughs> so it's, and I think if you, if you make that broader for anyone starting in any role, it's important to, to know what is something that you're going to use a lot. Like it might be a program if you're a designer or it might be a specific, let's say you're a photographer and you have to get yourself um, skilled up with your camera mm. to make sure that you know that thing in and out so that you can be more efficient with it and deliver better results mm. um, in the end and to be, you know, to be faster and quicker with, with what you do. And it also builds on one another. Like if you if you have the basics for one thing, it's going to help you a lot with another thing that you that you try and um, you know, pursue. And I think for someone who, who got retrenched, um, retrenched and fired, I can't really speak specifically to that. But what I would say is it's actually a good time to be introspective, to actually take a step back and think of why did this whole thing happen. Um, in, so can you? 
can you maybe say that it was relating to my own maybe it was your own skill set um, it wasn't sufficient maybe it was your work ethic um, and is it something that you can control if you can control it then you need to do something about it mm. so let's use an example if you if you don't know the program that you're working with well enough and that had an effect on the results that you had, your output that you had to give to the company, then you must make sure that you do everything you can to get yourself upskilled with that. Yeah. And it's so easy to upskill yourself, actually. You just need the, the specific, um, let's say, a laptop you work with. And then there's a lot of courses online, there's YouTube videos. I'm also a user of YouTube videos mm -hmm. that actually helps quite a lot. Um, and to upskill yourself just takes a bit of time. But it's like a slow step-by-step -step process that can help you. Yeah, and then um, just with the same two points, so starting a first job, being retrenched, um, you've obviously been in a position of uh, the first one and you've left a company before as well. In terms of your personal finances, what have you done in those scenarios? So do you change anything when you start a new job and when you leave a job? Um, what would you recommend for people to do if they're starting a new job and leaving a job? Yes, I think yeah, that's a good question. I think when you when you move to another job, there's a lot of variables that you have to take into account. For instance, when I started here, um, previously I worked in Wellington, um, which was 20 minutes drive for me. Yes, and it was actually close by, close to home. Whereas this one is 56 kilometers yeah. drive. So I had to take that into account. So now all of a sudden I'm spending five times more than I used to spend um, in terms of my fuel. So then I had to adjust my budget accordingly. Otherwise, if you just go on without planning for it, then you're going to find yourself in a difficult spot yeah. come month in. Um, so I think it's just to, to look at the variables that, that's going to change from one job to the next. And then if your salary changes, it's the same. My, my dad also <laughs> told me that when you get an increase, take half of that increase and save it, mm -hmm. put it aside, because you're not used to that increase. Yeah. And then half of it you can use to adjust your, maybe your living. That's very clever. Yeah, otherwise it's that whole increase is just gonna go towards your living or your lifestyle expenses. And then you buy a bigger house or a bigger car, and then in the end, you're, you're not better off than what you were before the increase. Yeah, So exactly. And I think that's important because you see, it's like scales of economy where the more you earn, the more you spend. And that's, that's one of those things that happens automatically. Because mm. you can see it's like, I know a lot of my peers, and <laughs> they also, when they finish with articles, then it's all of a sudden bigger cars and... Yeah, uh, fancy here, it's up closed and everything. More toys. More toys, <laughs> yes. And um, I think toys in itself and those type of things is fun, but it's to have a balance. Yeah. Yeah. If you save towards it, if it's something that you really enjoy um, and where you want to spend your money on and you budget for it, then it's great. Yes. Yeah. Like my and brother, sorry, my brother-in-law, he's, for instance, he's also a medical doctor. My wife's a medical doctor. He's also a medical doctor. And he, he's a very frugal guy. He doesn't spend a lot on clothes or anything. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to his fishing, he's, like, he's very good on fishing. So he would, he would spend there. Like, That's spend. his guilty pleasure though. That's his guilty <laughs> pleasure. So I think it's good to have something like that. 
um, where you spend a bit of extra money on, but it's a hobby that you really enjoy. And what about things like an increase, for example, or some sort of reason to celebrate? I don't know, maybe you're still studying and you just get your results and you do really well and you haven't factored those things into your mm. budget. Do you think it's okay to go on a splurge after something like that if it's momentary, like it's, it's just for this month? Do you think mm. that thought process is okay? I think it's good to, to reward yourself. But I think it should be a planned reward <laughs> so that you can work towards it. It's almost like, um, you know, it's, it's a simple example of if you, if you finish your exams, then you can go on holiday. Okay. Um, I see what you're saying. So yeah. essentially you're always, you're, so where I, where I'm trying to come from, which is it being unexpected, essentially you're, you're saying you'll always, you'll always have a hint or like a yes. hunch that something's coming. Yeah. So you can plan. Yeah. And if it's not, let's say for instance you're, I don't know, it's like an unplanned breakaway weekend mm. that you decide on going to, which is going to cost you, you know, a few thousand rand, for instance, then I think it's fine, but then it's just to, when that happens, just make sure that the rest of your month, you actually have money at the end of the month, otherwise, yeah. otherwise it's going to be an unpleasant experience. Yeah. And it's, it's, some people would save money. Um, but with the, with the intention of, okay, it's available, it's money available, so I can just withdraw that. Yeah. I think that's where we can maybe discuss that, but that's where the difference between saving and investing comes in. Yes. So investment should be something that you don't touch, so that's long-term, long-term meaning five plus years. Okay. Whereas saving should be something that you save towards, like a holiday or overseas holiday, or maybe a car or a down payment on a house. Something like that, which is, I would say, between, let's say, one day and five years. You Earlier you mentioned that you have um, a few people that you could refer uh, people to, like role, role models and a few articles and things that people can learn from. Would you mind sharing who they are and um, just the titles of those articles for people to refer to? Yes, yeah, I think... One of them, that's a guy that I've been following for quite a while. Um, his name is Dave Ramsey. He's an American. Um, he is a, he's a financial guru, and you can call it that, um, but also specifically focusing on personal finances. Now, a lot of the things that he writes about is more focused towards Americans, like the U.S. setup, and because they have Roth RAs, and so it's, it, they have a, a, a whole different setup than we do. Like for instance, if you buy a house there, then you can deduct your interest from your tax, your taxable um, income. Okay. Whereas in our case, you can't do it if you buy it out of your personal capacity. So it's, it's small things that differ, but the principles is the most important stuff. Okay. And he speaks about the six baby steps. And then it's six basic, it's really basic steps. And then you can just follow those steps when it comes to, um, like for instance, it's saving up $1,000 in his case, or that's what he prefers. Um, I would say let's make it five to 10,000 Rand in South Africa. So then you can save that amount of money. Then you move on to the next step, which would be to pay down your debt and via a debt snowball, meaning that if you have five credit cards, which are all overdrawn, and then you start by selecting the one with the smallest balance, paying that off as soon as you can, and then moving on to the next one. And the next one and then it goes on like that 
and then the third step is to save up three to six months worth of um, expenses mm -hmm. so if your living expenses per month is five thousand rand then it's three to six months that will cover that okay so it's just in, like in an emergency fund and then you move on to pay down your house to saving for your kids college and then to build your wealth like investments and giving i think giving is actually from the start it's a very important thing otherwise you so tithing for instance it's to build that principle of not being selfish and wanting to earn everything that you that you worked for because it's all actually just a gift thank you so much for chatting today and sharing your perspective and some of the tips really appreciate it and definitely learn some new things for, for my personal capacity awesome. <laughs> even though i'm okay i think i'm okay <laughs> awesome great thanks for having me thanks for joining the one grid podcast today i really hope that you enjoyed the conversation that we had if you have any feedback for us or topic suggestions, please send it through to our social media pages. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And if you'd like access to more resources, you can check out our blog, and that is at one-grid.com forward slash blogs. And that's blogs with an S at the end.